So my name is Johnny. Uh, hi. I say that because there are a lot of there are a lot of folks that I haven't met yet that are out there. So um, a lot of you do know me. Um, so we're going to be in Psalm 34 today. And uh, Dale asked me to fill in while he is on his way to Louisville to, um, I think he's graduating, is that right? So that, that's exciting. Hey guys, I got a lot in the monitors up here. So let us read Psalm 34. And I don't know, it doesn't seem like we've been reading it together the last couple of weeks, but um, I will just go ahead and read it for us today. So, um, Psalm 34, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. O come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from, from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So this psalm was, as we see in the first few lines, was, um, was written by David to commemorate an event where David was delivered out of hardship 
Um, and the text seems to indicate that it's a little unspecific. Um, it says it was a Psalm of David when he, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. But tradition seems to indicate that it was written later after the fact as a kind of a memorial or a commemoration of that event. Um, now, those who have been here a while have heard me speak in the past about the importance of symbols in, in culture, whether it's church culture or family life or, you know, national culture. And um, talked about that specifically in the context of like monuments and things like that. And as we come into the holiday season, holidays are also useful for that and very valuable to give us a sense of uh, community and focus and, um, you know, unity. But another thing that is uh, oh, and, and to teach, to teach truths, uh, time to focus on um, ideas and events that are, that are beneficial and will teach us things that are valuable. Um, and another thing that may be even more useful than monuments and holidays is uh, poetry. Um, now... This psalm is one of a handful of psalms that is written in an acrostic form. So each verse of the psalm starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. From, you know, I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I'm sure. Um, there are folks that could tell you specifically what those... Uh, that those alphabet names are, but for us it'd be from A to Z. And um, so I was reading this and I was thinking about how useful that would be as a teaching tool. Now, you know, and I don't know for sure that this is what happened in Hebrew life, but for me, when I was learning the alphabet, when I was, you know, four and five, um, I learned the alphabet through use of, like, acrostic poems. Um, and I still remember a couple of those, you know. Um, the, the, the A was the amazing ape, and the amazing ape was out of shape because he ate and ate and ate. And then M, I don't know why I remember A and M, but... M was Milton the mule who made a mistake. While he read a map, he walked in a lake. You know, and so there are these little jingles or rhymes that help children learn the alphabet. But, um, you know, how wonderful would it be if there was a tool where as we were learning these crucial pieces of our language, um, it was, we were learning them in the format of a poem that would always refocus our thoughts and recenter them on God. Now, 
there's been a lot of hand-wringing by uh, commentators about the fact that this acrostic doesn't translate well. Um, the Hebrew and English alphabets are just too different. Um, there have actually been a couple, just like just one or two that I found, commentators that even insinuated that um, the text as translated without that acrostic format lacks some aspect of divine inspiration. And I think that's been pretty roundly dismissed, but I think it does give a little bit of a key or an insight into how important um, people see that aspect of this text and consider that aspect of this text to be. And everyone would agree that that aspect of it is very important. Um, and while it's maybe uh, not adaptable to the English language due to the translation difference, it is an example of a scripture that could be and is, I think, indispensable for us in our daily lives. And I think even though it isn't in an A through Z format in the way that it would have been for the Hebrews, it would be well worth our time if we were to commit this sort of a text to memory. Now, the psalm as we read it, um, and as you look at it in your, in your Bible, is broken up into, a, into sections or, or verses, um, each that have three or four uh, lines. And um, even within those, the ideas are not necessarily, there's not necessarily a lot of continuity or flow or progression of ideas, if you will, um, which is odd. Like, for me, preaching through the Psalms has been interesting. Um, and this is, I think, the second time I've preached a Psalm, and it's a little out of my comfort zone because I'm much more accustomed to texts like I really like teaching out of the New Testament where it is text that is meant to instruct, and it is telling you information about how to incorporate this truth into your life. You know, that's where I'm comfortable. This is a totally different form of text. And, um, and it seems, when I was first reading through it, I'm like, man, what am I going to do with this? Because while all of these ideas are so beautiful and poignant and um, there's some really great lines in here. There just isn't, there isn't any real linkage from one to the next other than just a general theme. And that theme is deliverance themed. It is, it is lines or of poetry that are designed, like I say, to focus us on God and the things that he does for us. And I think that it's really 
I think that it's really useful for us uh, to have tools like this to use. Because there are times in all of our lives when we need encouragement. Uh, we need to refocus our minds on truth. I had a pretty difficult week this week for, you know, a lot of reasons. Work wasn't great. Uh, our son was running a fever for a few days. It was kind of worrying. He's, he's doing better today, but, um, you know, there, there was just a lot of stuff uh, that was going on. And as I was going through all of these things, um, it's really hard to get caught up, and I think we all can identify with this, it's really easy to get caught up in the trouble around you. And thankfully, I live in a world and, and where I am in my life right now, the worst troubles I have are like things aren't great at work and my kid is sick, you know, with a something that he'll probably get over in a couple of days, you know. But as we look back through history and, you know, even today in other countries, there are believers who face much more serious forms of trouble. But for all of us, these kinds of scriptures are crucial to help us to refocus our minds on truth. Because the circumstances will surround us and start to overwhelm. And we can either go down that rabbit hole or we can refocus. And it's really helpful to have tools to refocus. Like some of us are better at just refocusing than others. Um, but tools like this are good for all of us. For, so for me this last week, the scripture, the tool from scripture that kept coming to my mind was Romans 12, 18, which is a scripture I'd memorized not that long ago. It says, in so far as you're able, be at peace with all men. That's kind of the gist of it. And I didn't have to remember the text in its specific, I, I couldn't remember the reference. I had to look it up. But throughout this week, as I was encountering these issues, the Lord would just bring that to my mind and help me to refocus on what my priority should be in those circumstances at work. And, you know, there's, there were also texts from this scripture that would come to mind because I was studying it to preach. But we've all heard, like, when you're getting overwhelmed or you're getting angry to just stop and take a breath and count to ten, right? Like, and I thought when I was studying this, how cool would it be if there was a tool where I could stop and take a breath and say my ABCs instead. <laughs> but those ABCs are sorry, page too many. Those ABCs are, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
and his praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord, and let the, let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. And so if you think back to some circumstance where you have been feeling overcome by circumstances or overwhelmed, or you're in that moment and you're like, man, how am I going to navigate this? Like, you want to respond out of your flesh, or you want to respond out of anger, or you want to just curl up in that ball and kind of insulate and you know, however it is you deal with those things, if you, if we were able to just take a step back and to refocus on these truths, there's so much power in that. What a valuable resource these truths are. And they don't have to be connected in some sort of a progressive, like, sequence. It's just those those lines of truth that cut right to the heart of what's real. They put us where we should be. They put God where he should be. And then the circumstances line up where, where they should in that, in that light. And it's like this all the way through. And Spurgeon said in, of this text that the first 10 verses are a hymn and, this, and the last 12 verses are a sermon. And so the first 10 verses are really focused on God and glorifying God. And the second 12 verses are more focused on us and how we should live. But I think that the psalm really demonstrates two things for us. The first is the value of Scripture as a tool to help us refocus our minds on truth. And the second is the value of memorizing Scripture. And ideally, memorizing it in a way that will make it easily available to recall. I, I would say that memorizing Scripture is one of the greatest things that we can undertake in the spiritual disciplines. I don't think that's an overstatement. And we live in a world, we live in a culture that's got a real wealth of Scripture, right? Like, it's easy for us not to memorize Scripture, I've got a dozen different Bibles, like physical Bibles. And if I don't feel like carrying one of them around, and I have them in all shapes and sizes, I've got big ones, I've got small ones, I've got thin ones, you know. If I don't feel like hauling one of those around, well, I've got it on my phone. Or I can just listen to it streaming and somebody will just read it to me. Like, we have such an abundance, such an ease of access to Scripture. 
And I fear that it has become a very common thing, common in the sense of, like, we don't see the value in it. But it is the one thing in our world today that we can point to and say objectively, without any qualification, this is truth. And that is becoming a very rare commodity in our time. I was reading a book um, years ago. Dale gave us books, as he is prone to do. Um, he gave us a book uh, called um, The Insanity of God. And I think a lot of you have probably read it. If you haven't, you should. Um, and what it is is stories. Uh, it's a story about it. It's a guy recounting his experiences going to um, become acquainted with um, different aspects of the persecuted church around the world and kind of telling some of their stories. Um, and it's interesting because it's a more modern record of some of these things. Um, I grew up reading stories like The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun, who was a preacher from China, or God Smuggler about Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles behind the Iron Curtain when there was a thing like that. Um, and so there's all kinds of stories like this. But in that book in particular, there were stories about uh, a man who was in prison for his faith, and every time he found a scrap of paper, he would write down as much scripture as he, would rem as he could remember. And he would just treasure that until it was taken from him and he'd be beaten for it and, and so on. But he would always do that. Um, there were other stories about how the Chinese church, if they got a Bible, the, the leadership would meet together and they would tear sections out of the Bible to send back to the different house churches so each of those churches could have just a piece of this because in those situations, Scripture is such a valuable commodity. And that's a real contrast from where we are today. But what those believers learned and what they told the author of that book is that they came to understand that you can only take into persecution what you have. And so though that man that went into the prison cell was able to do that because he had invested that scripture in his mind. He had invested he had accumulated that wealth in a way that couldn't be taken. You know, um, there was another story in that book about how different um, house churches in Russia sent together members to this big meeting. And um, just kind of as a joke, they decided, not as a joke, but just kind of to see what would happen, they just said, okay, guys, we're going to see if we can 
write down as much of the book of John, I think it was the book of John, as you can, and then we'll put it all together and see how much of the book of John we have. And at the end of it, like, they had the whole thing. But later on, they tr- as, as time went on and after the Iron Curtain fell, the, the, the next generation, the believers, couldn't do that. And partly because Scripture had become much more easily available. And that's great. But the point is that we have a great opportunity and we have an abundance of Scripture. And it is such a valuable tool for us. And you look at the beautiful lines in this text. Verse 8 is probably... It's one of the... It's a very commonly referenced scripture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Or you look at... Well, where was it? We were just, we were, Flora, my daughter, who's, who's three, has just gotten to where she has this thing where she, all the time, she say, Daddy, I'm scared. And I, you know, we think that she's just like, she likes to have the attention or whatever, but, but we always tell her, Flora, you don't have to be scared you know, the, the Lord is with you, you know, and he's going to take care of you. Um, but the, the line here where it says, the angel of the Lord, why can't I find it? Seven, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. You know, I mean, it's just such a, such a, encouragement to her the one, one of the verses that was coming to my mind over this last week was verse 15 the eyes of the lord are toward the righteous and he his ears towards their cry and it's convicting it's encouraging but it's also convicting because i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not righteous you know like as indignant as I might feel in a given circumstance, can I really say that what I have been doing and how I've been acting is really what would be considered righteous? I know that I'm righteous because of Jesus. (laughs) But, you know, it, it works both ways. It is a reminder that the Lord is the one who fights for me, but I should endeavor to live in a way that I will be an example of righteousness. So this text is a great tool for all of this stuff, and we would all do well to be, to be accumulating for ourselves and for our families these nuggets of truth and hiding them away in our hearts and in our minds. Because whether it's crazy geopolitical things that bring about the need for us 
to recall those things, and Lord willing, that is not the case, or whether it is just the mundane frustrations of our lives, those treasures that we hide in our heart will refocus us on the truth of who God is and who we are in relation to him. And that is a great use for a poem. And that's not necessarily something that a holiday or a monument can do. And so I would encourage you to hide God's word in your heart and to make a habit of that. One of the things uh, that we've been doing as a family is, um, as, as we close, I just thought I'd plug it. Um, we, we got one of these um, devotion books that Dale gave us. We've really been enjoying that. So um, if you have a chance, if you didn't already, grab one of those for the kids. It may, it's for kids. So if you don't have kids, maybe not. But find something else. You know, I'm sure Dale would have recommendations. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it truly is the bread of life. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us when we treat this, this holy treasure as, it were, as if it were common. Lord, we pray that you would give us an appetite for your word and that we would grow to treasure your word that we would invest our time in your word and that we would give it to our families and teach them to love it and to love you Lord we pray that you will be with us as we go into this week that we would be a light to those around us and that you would give us the resources and help us to prepare to, to be that light and to be that vessel of truth, full of grace, full of truth, Lord. We also pray for Dale and his family as they're traveling. We thank you for this accomplishment of his. We thank you for the way that you have blessed our church with a pastor who is always seeking to better himself when we know that it is so that he can better minister to us. And that is a great blessing. We thank you for these things. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.